Somebody give me a subject to talk about today. Oh, really? Come on, Kevin. <laughs> Why did I know airplanes was going to come out of your mouth, Jim David? Anybody else? What? Bowling? Friday? Did you say Friday? Like just a specific or just the subject of Friday? Oh, I'm done with Thursday, so good. get on to Friday. I get you. You've actually been listening. That's impressive, Amy. I wasn't tracking with you. Uh, it's interesting. Okay, I've got two subject matters so far. One of them is airplanes and one of them is bowling. You want to know <clears throat> who said those two things is the pilot and the bowler. That's because that's what they are passionate about. It's a big deal to them. If I get into a plane and try to look at all the instrument panel and try to figure it out, I'm lost and I just shut down. I quit. Seriously, if you get in there, the only thing I know to look at is like the GPS to see which direction I'm heading. That's about it. But, uh, and bowling, you know, just throw it straight. That's all I know. But there's so much more to that. If you want to talk baseball, I can like go into the whole pitching and everything else because that's, that's what I enjoy. But there's something about uh, passion that drives us. And you can go, like literally, you can bring up a subject in this room right here. And I could probably point to somebody in this room that has that passion. That understands it. That studies it. That knows it. And for the rest of us, we're kind of like, eh. Airplanes, hmm. Bowling, hmm. And they're like going, really? Baseball, hmm. Yeah, I get it. The Bible, hmm. When this becomes your passion, when this becomes your passion, you start to like figure this thing out and you begin to read it and you begin to study it. Sure, everybody can read it. Everybody can fly on a plane. Everybody can bowl. Everybody can read the Bible. But when it becomes your passion, and the reason it's my passion is because it tells me a little bit about my God. Just a little bit. Someone said to me this week, you know, Jesus is the Word more than this. I absolutely believe that with all my heart, and Jesus lives with me. But I also believe this. I believe this is true. And if you don't know it very well and you just read it, it might have some contradictions in it. If you just pick a verse out, it may not make sense. But based upon what we've been doing over these last, over the last year plus, 
as we've been taking the four Gospels, we've been sewing them together. We've been taking some, uh, some Jewish books like the Mishnah and the Babylonian Talmud. We've been pulling history facts from Josephus, who was a historian. We've been looking at our own history books, and we've been pulling it all together to make sense of it. Like, how does this make sense? Because if you just read it, it's hard to understand it. But to me, that's just one of the fun things of getting into the Word is figuring this thing out and making sense of it. I would love for it to be your passion. I, in fact, there's some in this room, I'm sure that it's more of a passion for you than it is for me. That's cool. It's good. But today we get to one of those subject matters. And again, I think we've said all along as we've gone throughout the Gospels is that the, the timing of everything of when we've hit these passages of Scripture, it's been uh, God's deal. Well, we're talking about Judas hanging himself on a weekend where these guys just got up here and did a whole thing on mental health. But Judas went out and hung himself. Remember where we left off last week. We talked, I believe it was Mark 15, 1, where it said that they took Jesus to Pilate. They had already dealt with him in the Sanhedrin, but now they were going to take him before Pilate, the governor of that Roman area. But here's what happens in the meantime. Jump to Matthew 27, verse 3. Then Judas, let me remind you again who Judas was. He was one of the 12 disciples that hung out with Jesus for three years. Jesus taught Judas. But all along, Jesus said, there's one of you that don't get this. There's one of you that don't get this. And it was Judas. And Judas was the one that as we've talked in the last couple of weeks, that went to the Sanhedrin and said, hey, I'll be your guy that turns Jesus over to you. I'll point him out so that you can have me as your statement to say that he is the one that has blasphemed. I'll kiss him. All for the reward of 30 pieces of silver. <laughs> you know what the value of 30 pieces of silver equaled in those days? The value of a dead slave. One dead slave. That was the value. 30 pieces of silver. This is what they paid Judas, the elders, the scribes, the Sanhedrins. We would call this blood money blood money. He took a bribe. This was against the rules that the Sanhedrin had set up for themselves, yet they went ahead and broke that rule and paid a bribe to Judas. And he took it. It says, then Judas, his betrayer, who's betrayer? Jesus' betrayer. He's the one that went up and kissed Jesus and said, yeah, this is your guy that you guys are looking for. Not that you needed to know that, but seeing that Jesus had been condemned, he sat there and probably looked and saw that the Sanhedrin had accused him of blasphemy. And again, remember, Jesus is the one that actually defines blasphemy in the Scripture back in Matthew. But Judas is in the area, 
and he sees that it's been finalized. The Sanhedrin has said, this is it. You, Jesus has been condemned. It says, <clears throat> seeing that Jesus had been condemned, he was full of remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. Now, let me look at that word remorse because this might make sense to you. If you actually go to the Greek text, and you know I'm not one that likes to sit here and drop Greek text on you guys because you don't even know if I'm telling you the truth or not. But the actual Greek text right there is metamaloimai. Metamaloimai, which means remorse, regret. That's different than a word metanoia that means repent. In other words, Judas had remorse for what he did, but he didn't have repentance. Remember what repentance is? We all in this room who have received salvation have received repentance from God through his kindness, as it says in Romans chapter 2. That means that we've changed our mind. Judas, it doesn't say he changed his mind. It says he's full of regret. He regretted what he did. When you typically regret something that you did, you want to get out of that situation, right? How do I fix this so it's better for myself what's the easy way out for me not like oh man lord you i absolutely blew it and i'm sorry and help me through this that's repentance judas had regret so he returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest he goes back He's there, he's got the money with him, he's got the 30 pieces of silver, and he says, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. Like, I don't really believe all this, but I know I did something wrong. I know I did something wrong. Judas knew that Jesus was innocent. He knew that he wasn't guilty, yet he had a hard time believing it. It was remorse, not repentance. And here's their response to Judas. The elders, the, the people that the Jewish nation looked up to. Oh, what's that to us? <laughs> you have regret, you have remorse. No one really cares about you, Judas, we got what we wanted. You served our purposes well. We really don't care about your silver. It says, what's that to us? They said, see to it yourself. So now Judas throws, it says he threw the silver into the temple and he departed. He's like, I don't want anything to do with this. You guys deal with it, and he leaves the silver right there in the temple. And it says Judas went out and hanged himself. He, 
how do you deal with that subject in a community that is absorbing itself in mental health? The only thing that I will tell you right there that he went out and hung himself is that Judas was dealing with the power of sin in an incredible manner. It's the same, listen to me, some of you don't know what I say when I say the power of sin, but there's this power of sin that we talk about and hear all the time because Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 7. There's this, this sin that dwells in our flesh. And it's not like a specific sin, that's something that you did wrong, but there's this power, this entity that, that somehow communicates to us and tempts us and sends us incredible nasty thoughts that I'm constantly dealing with up here, even as a new creation, as a believer, as a forgiven person, as a holy, righteous, redeemed person, I'm dealing with this power of sin all the time. We call it POS. I, we, we in here call it POS. Not the Bible. But there's this, this power of sin, and this is what Judas is dealing with so much that it drives him to go out and kill himself. That even when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was sweating blood, the POS was messing with Jesus, tempting Jesus, get out of this thing, you don't have to do this, da-da-da-da-da. The power of sin is a real thing. It's a, it's a daily struggle for us in this room. Like honestly, if... You don't think that I'm standing up here talking right now and the power of sin is like, they're not following you, you're not saying it right, you've messed up. It's all going through my head right now. Promise you. But I understand that's the power of sin, working on me. So you stick to your notes. You stick to what you know. You stick to what is the truth. Because that's the only way that you will defeat the power of sin is knowing the truth. He's going to feed you lies. He fed Judas lies. I believe Jesus loved Judas. And Judas didn't get it. I believe Jesus loved Judas. But the power of sin was strong enough in Judas's life that it caused him to take his own life. To not ever like pursue his savior. If, if God uses this thing to somehow teach this community about the power of sin and how it works, Lord, let it be, let it be. If there's somehow that we can express, even to the Christian, well, obviously to the Christian community, because they're the ones that are going to have to hear it and understand it because of the Spirit in them. But if they can just understand the power of sin, he says in 1 John chapter 2, he says, I write to you little children because you understand forgiveness. Most of the church doesn't even understand that Jesus died one time on the cross for all your sins, past, present, future. And then he says, I write to you young men because you know how to overcome the evil one. 
If you don't even understand the, uh, the, the childhood faith that Jesus has forgiven you of all your sins, you never get to the next level of maturity, the young man, which says, you understand how to overcome the evil one. You understand that there's power of sin working on your head and that you can win that battle by trusting the truth. If you guys can get that communicated, all about it. I have a hard enough time communicating in here. Because the power of sin, as soon as we leave here, is going to start busting y'all's chops. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Now watch this. I got I to gotta keep moving. <laughs> so he threw the silver into the temple and departed. Then he went and hanged himself. Now let me take you, the, the passion takes you to Acts chapter 1 verse 15. I'm going to jump over there real quick. Watch this. It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. This is after the crucifixion. Jesus has already like been buried and raised again. It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people were together was about 120. And said, brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas. That David foretold hundreds of years ago about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. In Acts, which Luke wrote, it says, So... Now Judas has gone out and acquired a field that he bought this field with his unrighteous wages of 30 pieces of silver. It says he did that. But wait, that's not what Matthew said. Matthew said he just went out and hung himself. He didn't say anything. He said he threw the pieces of silver in the temple. Now we have a contradiction. Luke's saying one thing, Matthew's saying another thing. Watch this. It says, Now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. He fell head first, his body burst open, and his intestines spilled out. Well, that's not true. Matthew said he hung himself. This is pretty gross, what Luke's saying. He's the doctor. Says this became known to all the residents of Jerusalem, so that in their own language that field is called Hekelodama. That is the field of blood. Now go back. If you take the history books, if you take the Jewish history, if you take the background, the Mishnah, all that those things. Watch this. You learn something real quick. This is a passion. This is a passion, figuring this thing out, figuring this puzzle out. How can it not be a contradiction? In the Life of Christ series by Arnold Fruchtenbaum, he says this. According to Jewish law, if there was a dead body in Jerusalem, which he just, Judas sat there and watch the Sanhedrin do this thing, and then it says he went out and hung himself. So we know that he was in Jerusalem. 
It says, if there's a dead body in Jerusalem, the city was considered defiled, and the morning Passover sacrifice, what morning is it? It's Friday morning. They're getting ready to have this sacrifice at 9 o'clock, which we'll talk about next week. They're getting ready to have this morning sacrifice on the Passover at 9 o'clock. And it says, if there was a dead body in Jerusalem, the city was considered defiled, and the morning Passover sacrifice could not be offered and could not be celebrated. These guys were all about their rituals and everything else. We have to make things happen. Judas has just killed himself. He's hung himself here in Jerusalem, and now we've defiled the city. We've got to do something about it. It says, however, Jewish law goes on to say that if a body is taken and cast into the valley of Hinnom, a place of burning, then the city is reckoned as cleansed and the Passover can be partaken of. And then later they can return and bury the body. Judas hung himself. And the elders and scribes says, this can't happen today. We have a Passover sacrifice to implement here in a few hours. The only thing we're able to do is to take Judas's body, throw it over the wall into the valley of Hinnom, and we will have cleansed this city so that we can carry on with our Passover. You throw his body over the wall, and now all of a sudden, Acts makes sense. His intestines spilled out. That's kind of gross. Judas hung himself, they took his body, threw it over the wall to cleanse the city so they could do the sacrifice. It makes sense. Yeah, but what about the whole... He didn't, like, purchase that land. He didn't purchase that land. Watch this. It says, verse 6, The chief priest took the silver and said, It's not permitted to put it into the temple treasury, since it's blood money. Like, he's thrown this blood money back into the temple mount. What are we going to do with it? They only had two options to deal with the money. They either have to return it to the owner because Jewish law dictated it. If you go to uh, book 5, page 575, that Alfred Erdsheim wrote, it says, It was not lawful to take into the temple treasury for the purchase of sacred things money that had been awfully, unlawfully gained. Like, we can't use this money. In such cases... The Jewish law provided that the money was to be restored to the donor, and if he insisted on giving it, then he should be induced to spend it for something for the public benefit. Wait, well, you can't give it back to Judas. He went out and hung himself. What are we going to do with these 30 pieces of silver? Oh, we're going to have to spend it on the public welfare. We're going to have to do something for the public. Watch this. They conferred together... And they bought the potter's field with it as a burial place for foreigners. The potter's field. Yeah, you're like, you're reading that and you don't understand it because it's not your passion. Get it? They bought this field to bury strangers. Oh, that's so nice of them to do something for the public. It made themselves look really good. But wait, that contradicts what Acts 1.18 says, because it says that this man, Judas, went out and acquired the field with this money. Who actually bought the field? The elders and the scribes went and bought the field, but with whose money? It wasn't 
their money because they couldn't do anything with that money. It would have been unrighteous to do that. So they bought the field in Judas's name. It's his money. Judas bought the field through the elders and the scribes, and all of a sudden, we've solved another contradiction. Crazy. Are you, you mean to tell me this is real? This whole thing's Absolutely. Find me a contradiction. Give me a, a, a minute with my software, and I'll figure it out. Look, you guys have the same access that I have. You can go on and Google stuff, get answers. You can go on and search verses. You can search words. You, you can look at the little notes beside the verses, and it says, go to this verse and this verse. You guys can figure out the exact same thing that I can figure out. It just has to be your passion. You have to have a desire to do it. It's all right here. Take the hist All the history books are right there on Google. Figure it out. Th this thing is for real. Yet we want to say it contradicts itself because we pulled this verse out or this verse out and it doesn't make sense to us. I promise you, all 66 books work together. Promise you. If it doesn't, what's the point of us being here? Because all I'm doing is giving you my opinion. And you don't want that. Watch this now. Therefore, that field has been called the blood field to this day. Then what was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. Matthew drops the name Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament that had no problem standing up to people. He had one good king and a bunch of bad kings that he dealt with. And he was pretty much the dude that had to tell the Israelites, you guys are so disobedient, so disrespectful to the Lord that he's going to like destroy you. He was the man's man. And Matthew drops Jeremiah's name and he says this, he says, they took the 30 pieces of silver. See how that's bold right there? He's quoting right here. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him whose price was set by the Israelites, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Wait, if you look at that little note beside that verse right there, he just quoted Zechariah. But you dropped Jeremiah's name, but you quoted Zechariah, another prophet. Let me take you to exactly what it says in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12, 13. It says, Then I said to him, If it seems right to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. So they weighed my wages, 30 pieces of silver. This is Zechariah probably three, four hundred years before the whole Judas thing ever happened. Throw it to the potter, the Lord said to me. 
this magnificent price, I was valued by them. So I took 30 pieces of silver and threw it into the house of the Lord to the potter. This is what Judas did. He just fulfilled prophecy that Zechariah said hundreds of years before. Are you kidding me? Judas fulfilled prophecy. But wait, Matthew says it was Jeremiah. Jeremiah, oh, watch this. Let's look at Jeremiah. Let's get passionate about this passage of Scripture. Hang with me. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 27. I'll read to you for a second. When you speak of all these things to them, they will not listen to you. When you call to them, they will not answer you. Jeremiah is a prophet, and he's prophesying about the future. He's prophesying about the Jewish nation, the Israelites. They're not going to listen to you. <laughs> the elders, the scribes, the Pharisees, they're not going to listen to you. Therefore, declare to them, this is the nation that would not listen to the Lord their God and would not accept discipline. Truth has perished. It has disappeared from their mouths. Cut off the hair of your sacred vow and throw it away. Raise up a dirge on the barren heights, for the Lord has rejected and abandoned the generation under his wrath. I would not want to be on that side of the Lord. For the Judeans have done what is evil in my sight. This is the Lord's declaration. Jeremiah is saying this to him. They have set up the abhorrent things in the house that bears my name in order to defile it. They have built the high places of Topheth. Ooh, watch this. In Ben-Hinnom Valley in order to burn their sons and daughters in the fire. A thing I did not command. I never entertained the thought. He's giving prophecy of what is to come. The Lord never intended for it to be that way. But because they chose not to listen to him, these things were going to occur. Therefore, look, the days are coming, the Lord's declaration, when this place will no longer be called Topheth and Ben-Honam Valley, but the Valley of Slaughter. The blood field. Topheth will become a cemetery because there will be no other burial place. The corpses of these people will become food for the birds of the sky and for the wild animals of the land with no one to scare them away. I will remove from the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem the sound of joy and gladness and the voices of the groom and the bride for the land will become a desolate waste. Jeremiah, 600 years before Judas was thrown over the wall in the valley of Hinnom, had said that the Lord is going to curse this specific piece of property. Tell me. Tell me there's a contradiction. Are you kidding me? 600 years before all this occurred, Jeremiah said this is what's going to happen. There's going to be so much death 
he's saying that there's not even going to be places to bury them. Guess what happened? 70 AD came along. The Romans came in, destroyed the temple, killed 1.1 million Jews according to our history books, according to Josephus. And guess where they buried them? Yeah. In the Valley of Hinnom. Same place they threw Judas's body. Same place. You want to call it a coincidence? Go for it. Watch this. Jeremiah 19. I close with this passage. Jeremiah 19. It says, this is what the Lord says. Go buy a potter's clay jar. <laughs> the potter's field. Take some of the elders of the people and some of the leading priests and go out to Ben-Honam Valley near the entrance of Potsherd Gate. Proclaim there the words I speak to you. Say, hear the word of the Lord, kings of Judah and residents of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says, I'm going to bring such disaster on this place that everyone who hears about it will shudder. Because they have abandoned me and made this a foreign place. They have burned incense in it to other gods that they, their fathers, and the kings of Judah have never known. They have filled this place with the blood of the innocent. Hmm. Filled this place with the blood of the innocent. Judas says, his blood is innocent. They have built high places to bow. Baal, on which to burn their children in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, something I have never commanded or mentioned. I never entertained the thought. Therefore, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When this place will no longer be called Topheth and Ben-Honam Valley, but Slaughter Valley, the field of blood, I will spoil the plans of Judah and Jerusalem in this place. I will make them fall by the sword before their enemies, by the hand of those who intend to take their life. I will provide their corpses as food for the birds of the sky and for the wild animals and land. I will make the city desolate and object of scorn. Everyone who passes by it will be appalled and scoffed because of all of its wounds. I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and their daughters, and they will eat each other's flesh in the distressing siege inflicted on them by their enemies who intend to take their life. Go back and read the history books. Go back. Read it. It's there. It happened. Then you are to shatter the jar in the presence of the people going with you, and you are to proclaim to them, this is what the Lord of armies says, I will shatter these people and the city like one shatters a potter's jar that can never again be mended. They will bury the dead in Topheth because there is no place for burials. In other words, there's no more places to be buried. It's going to be full. That is what I will do to this place. This is the declaration of the Lord and to its residents, making the city like Topheth. The houses of Jerusalem and the houses of the kings of Judah will become impure like that place, Topheth. All the houses on whose rooftops they have burned incense to all the stars in the sky and poured out drink offerings to other gods. 
Jeremiah returned from Topheth, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy, stood in the courtyard of the Lord's temple and proclaimed all the people, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says, I'm about to bring on this city and on all its cities every disaster that I spoke against it, for they have become obstinate, not obeying my words. It happened. Seventy A.D., just like Jeremiah prophesied. Just like it said in the book of Acts. The same field that Judas was thrown into. You can read it, and I believe the Spirit will speak through you. But if you make it your passion, you figure these things out and it gets pretty doggone exciting. When you can sit here and know, you can take this book right here, make sense of it, compare it to what happened to world history, then the doubt in my mind, what we've been talking about for the last 77 weeks is true. I believe it with all my heart. Point after point after point, we have proven week after week after week, we have gone through this. My Jesus is real. Father, I pray that... Um, you would just give us clarity about your word that you would continue to uh, teach us that you would con continue to unpack and to reveal just to reveal to us your truth every day just a little bit more just make this relationship with you so sweet that we run to it on a daily basis would you put the pieces of the puzzle together for us all the days of our lives? Would you show us how great your majesty is? Would you cause us to believe? That's my prayer. Cause us to believe. Cause us to make your word and you passion in our lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm.